Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today we are discussing So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson for The Stacks Book Club. The book is an examination of public shamings on social media and the early days of what we now call cancel culture. We're discussing the book with author and screenwriter Gigi Lavangi, and today's episode is spoiler-free. Next week starts our third season of The Stacks, and we're going to be shaking up things around here. So I will save a lot of the details for next week, but I wanted to give everyone who's listening now a heads up. Our April book for The Stacks Book Club is the National Book Award-winning Trust Exercise by Susan Choi, and we'll be discussing that book on April 29th. More details to come. To stay up to date on all things The Stacks, including exciting announcements and what's coming for our third season, make sure you're following The Stacks on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. As you're all well aware, the coronavirus has really changed the landscape for so many industries. In an effort to support authors, publishers, and independent bookstores, we've launched a little thing I'm calling The Stacks Tour. These are mini interviews with authors on our Instagram page. They're a small way to get the word out about books that have been published in 2020 since so many authors had to cancel their book tours. Our first guest was Jenny Lee, author of Anna Kay, and we've got a lot more coming your way. So follow us on Instagram at the Stacks Pod. Everything we discuss on today's show can be found in the show notes, and that includes exciting things like our Patreon page, social media accounts, links to Gigi's social media, and more. So check it out. All right, now it's time for our episode. Let's go. All right, everybody, we're back this week with Gigi Lavangi. She's the author of Been There, Married That, along with six other books. She's also a screenwriter and an all-around wonderful gal. Gigi, welcome back. Thank you so much, Tracy. So so good to be here. I'm really excited that you're here and I'm really excited that we're talking about So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson. For those of you who are listening at home, which is everyone besides me and Gigi right now, um, we will have no spoilers in the sense that this is a nonfiction book about public events. But if you've not read the book, We will be talking in detail about the book. So if you feel like you want to read it to understand better, go ahead, read the book, come back and listen to us. But otherwise, let's get started. What did you think of the book? Okay. I have so (laughs) many feelings about this book. Uh, First of all, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um, What can happen when a person is a victim of cancel, cancel culture, which basically started with Twitter 
in, in our mo- modern age. So terrifying. Um, I felt that I really enjoyed his writing, mm-hmm. his rendering of mm-hmm. these stories. Um, and it's also heartbreaking. Yeah. Because a few, and we'll get into the, the people who were shamed in a couple of these, uh, in most of these cases, I felt that they didn't deserve right. what happened to them. Right, right. Interesting. Yes. Okay. I had mixed feelings about this book. Mm. So this book has been on my to be read shelf for years. I think it came out in like 2015 and I had read The Psychopath Test, which is one of his previous books. Yes. And so when I saw it, I was like, oh, I'm going to read that book. And I just kind of never got to it. So mm. when the opportunity proposed itself for us to talk about it, I was really, really excited. What I loved about this book was I really loved kind of his thesis and where it started. But for me, I felt like the book sort of fizzled out or was maybe like too glossed over in sections. Mm-hmm. There were things that he talked about that I wanted more of. And then there were things where I was like, you're really like, you're really talking about Jonah a lot. Like he was really obsessed with Jonah. The Jonah part of this, Jonah Lehrer. Yeah. Um, who was a science writer, right. pop science. Right. But also he kind was- Kind of like in the Malcolm Gladwell vein. Yes. Like that pop psychology type thing. Kind of in the John Ronson vein. And he was also a Rhodes Scholar. Right, you know, like right, paper, right. He had everything going for him. Um, I That part of the book, I was listening to an audio book and it, mm. it made me sick. Hmm. Um, first of all, Mr. Ronson, who I've seen on videos and all that, um, has given a TED Talk, I think. He, he, he just sounded so unctuous mm. is the word mm. where it was almost like he was not his fault, but almost like he was getting pleasure out of what was happening oh, to Jonah Lair. Interesting. Well, while protesting that he wasn't. Maybe he and him have like personal beef. Well, here's the other thing I found interesting was the, the journalist, Michael Moynihan. Yeah. Think, who went after him uh, when they when he discovers that Jonah mm. Lara has a $2 million home right. in the Hollywood Hills, that becomes like the focal point. That becomes right. like, oh, well, maybe it's okay to take him down because he's got this. Right. And I think that is at the foundation of a lot of the cancel culture stuff. Hmm. They have something that I don't mm-hmm. have. Interesting. Let's go after him. I also thought, what does Bob Dylan think? Right. Because – that started out with Bob Dylan right. being misquoted. Being misquoted. Is that a crime? I, well, I think you know. that's a question. So, so this brings up a really interesting question because I we're from different generations. Yes. And I guess I'm probably part of the cancel culture generation, right? Like I, I, I got on Twitter in 2009, like yes. when it first was starting up. I did too, but it wasn't, right. it wasn't what it is. It definitely wasn't what yeah. it is now. Um, but I... I actually have a lot of feelings about cancel culture that I think it's really positive in some ways. And so for me, like for the, for the Bob, like the Bob Dylan, he misquoted Bob Dylan like twice in something, which is what sparked the guy to go after him or like to look into him. Yes. And then basically it was kind of like, oh, this is just the, this is just part of what's going on. There's a lot of, you know, journalistic, there's a lot of mistakes being made or integrity. Yes, and yes. I think that for me, I actually didn't really feel bad for him because I felt like if your job is to write a story and you're writing about science and you're right. writing about pop culture and you're you're a journalist, you know better. Like you, every journalist knows don't plagiarize. Don't 
misquote. Don't make stuff up. You have a fact checker. Like, so for me, I was like, well, I, maybe you shouldn't be publicly shamed and like have those tweets on the thing. <gasps> that part was just, but that wasn't, of that wasn't the tweets. fault of the guy who discovered it. That was the no, fault of no. the event. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was like there, in that case, there were so many different things that were shitty that happened to him. But I think the initial someone looking into his, lying. That's fair. That's yes. fair. And it it's not a crime, but it's definitely, you're not supposed to do that if you're a journalist. Like those are the rules of engagement you need to. But I think that journalists now aren't, because everything has, it's all about getting the story first right. before anybody else does. Right. That That's kind of Right. By the wayside. I don't know. But this was like but this a was profile, books. right? Yeah, like wasn't was, it's like in his book and it was about creativity. Yeah. It's just the whole thing is um and it's funny because I've never I'd never heard of Jonah Lehrer before. Me this. Neither. I've never I read no his books or anything. Um but when he explains it, I feel like he definitely hasn't he has an issue. John Ronson. Um uh, Jonah Lehrer oh. has an oh, issue yes. with the truth. Yeah, he clear. I mean, and this I seems wish to be him, a pattern. But I like, I wish him well. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, sorry this happened to you, but also, it didn't. It no one made it up. Yeah, it was there for yes. for it to be found. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think for me, my biggest issue with the book was that I felt like John Ronson was defending. Oh, interesting. The things that people did by saying something bad happened to them. And so therefore, oh. like they're kind of off the hook. Like he basically, oh. like my, my reading of some of the sections were like, Jonah Lair's not a bad guy and he didn't deserve this. And people are ruthless and mean and poor Jonah Lair. And I think that I oh, felt like, I felt like just because People went too far and did a bad thing yes. also, but it yes. started with his bad thing. If mm -hmm. he had not done that, none of this would have happened. Well, it started with a, a, a little thing and it became a pattern. Right, right. But I still wanted to know, what did Bob Dylan think Right, that's this? true. No, it's so true. Like <laughs> Bob Dylan probably doesn't even care. Bob Dylan no. probably said... He's probably like he us. Probably He's like, who's Jonah Lair? It, like, it was being written about him, yeah. you know? Yeah, of course um, not. But it, it exposed... A right. series of issues. Right. And, and I think in most cases in the book... But we all know those kids who grow up to become those adults, right? The kids who are <laughs> special and told they're special. Right. Told they're special, and they can do anything and then they they do anything. Right. And then they, they realize can't help, they can't. He can't even help it. Right. What happened to him, he couldn't... He's handicapped. He can't even help right. that he did that. Right. And there's something about, I think... I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm going to fake it and pretend to be one right now. But there's something about being the victim of something like this that is that I felt like you could like Jonah Lair when he was speaking to John Ronson, he really like played up how terrible everything that happened to him was mm -hmm. and didn't really take responsibility. What are, yes. What and are, I think everything that happened to him is really fucking terrible and I would not wish that on myself or anyone that I know. Yeah. But at the same point, it wasn't like someone made up Mm -hmm. No, exactly. You know? didn't come out of thin air. What I think with him is if, uh, you know, different scenarios go through my brain. Like right. what if he had just said, yeah, I have an issue. I fucked up. Yeah. I'll be back in a couple of years. Like, yeah, I, I fucked up. Right. But then he, he came back with the book proposal on right. love. Right. That appeared to have segments 
Like, what are you doing? What, like, what are you doing? Maybe he didn't, but it's just now everybody's looking for it. Right. But maybe he did. Right. Maybe it's an issue that's really deep. Right. He just, maybe he's lazy, doesn't want to do fact checking. He said that I should have fact checked more. Well, like, that's the other thing is the fact checking. Isn't that the publisher? I feel like the publishers do the fact Mm -hmm. checking. Drop the ball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But maybe they thought, because like, Oh, he's a real journalist. Well, he's fact-checking yeah. Himself. And I think sometimes, like, I know I've had people on this podcast who have written books about other people doing bad things in the world. So there was a book we did, um, a book we, ta- we talked about called uh, The Cadaver King and the C- Country Dentist. And it was about, oh, um, so good. It was about coroners and medical examiners and about specifically these two guys who were basically falsifying reports and all the stuff and the, and the culture around that. And so the authors of this book, they, one of them that I spoke to told me that they had like months and months of fact checking and fact checking and fact checking. And that was because they didn't want to get sued by those people. Yeah. But I think in the case of Joan Allaire, he probably had his own team of fact checkers who work for him, who did he didn't employ or whatever, mm-hmm. because it was more about psychology. So no one was going to sue him. So the publisher probably didn't feel like they needed to be on his case about yeah. it. Whereas this other book, it was like, this is about these two men. Yes. We name them. We talk about their cases. Right. We blame them for people being on death row. Like, wow. we really point the finger. And so I'm sure the publisher was like, let's be really careful yes. here. Big so lawsuits. I think that that's probably how the publisher yeah, could miss something Jonah like that. Yeah, was dealing sort of with soft facts. Yeah, and like he was you quoting know? Bob Dylan, I mean, you know, right? It wasn't like a huge miss. so weird because – I wouldn't know a Bob Dylan quote if it like punched me no. in the face. It was a perfect storm for him that the guy did know. It's so weird, isn't like, it? That he was reading this and was like, when did Bob so- Dylan say this? Like, how dare you <laughs> think that? I would never <laughs> think to do that. John Ronson says in the book that Twitter is a quote unquote safe space. And I recognize this book was written years ago, but I find that to be such a privileged white man thing to say. What? Uh, what does he mean by that? That like when you put your tweets out there, like the, this is a safe space. Like people are just is tweeting he, about their is day. Is he actually saying – he says that in – He says book. that in the book. Oh my gosh. So I can find the exact I feel sentence. like that's so off the mark. But I also feel like that – not only is it off the mark, I also feel like when the book came out, we maybe Twitter hadn't quite been weaponized as it is yeah, now. <laughs> and I also think it's just like a white dude thing to say because people probably don't yeah, attack him that, in the same way oh, that, that women too. and people of color and queer people get attacked on social media. He There's a quote that he says, and it's about, uh, you know, Justine Sacco. Right. I don't even remember seeing her tweet at that time. And I don't even remember... Oh, I remember pile it. On. Oh my God, I remember it. And I was on in 2009, but may, I think I was tweeting about lattes right. and stuff. So, you know, but he compares a joke in in the book. He compares a joke that he makes, right? you know, oh, it's okay because I'm a white man right. like that, to hers. And he's like, my, well, see, my joke is better constructed. My joke, right. blah, blah. I'm like, no, no. no. Um, excuse me. <laughs> I have my hand up. You can't see. No, it's it's not. It, right. it actually is nonsense. It's it doesn't not, even make sense. It's like, not funny. It's it's not. I forgive almost anything that's funny because right. I operate in that space and I have for a long time. Mm. But it's not funny. Right. Dude. It's not and funny. he's kind of patting himself on the back. Right. I don't want to be a make an enemy out of John Ronson. Right. But I'm like, I, it, what are you talking about? Right. 
that was what he said was inappropriate and what she said was just yeah i mean unbelievable so that's like the thing that i keep coming back to in the book is like uh-huh. i recognize it's unfortunate that these things happened and that the way that the the way that it works is that one person finds your tweet and they retweet it. And then all of a sudden you're famous for having made a bad joke. Like I get it. I would not want to be remembered for the worst joke that I made, but also you said it and you put it out there and it was bad and it was racist and it was really fucked up. And he, in the book, John Ronson says a lot, like she's not racist. I'm like, well, how do we know that? We don't know that. We didn't grow up with her. And neither did you. And we don't know that. We know that it sucks that her whole world yeah, got turned that upside part down. That's just unbelievable. But it, we don't actually know that. I think that's that. why I wasn't as, uh, I didn't uh, either pile on or I didn't, I don't think I commented on that because I was kind of like, well, right. That's a, yeah. That's like not a great right. comment. What right. does that even Right. What are you saying? What are you saying? I remember when it happened. Where is that coming my, from? My brother's best friend like texted me and was like, are you on Twitter right now? I was like, no. He's like, this woman just made a crazy joke and went on an airplane. And now, because there was a hashtag that was like, wins Justine landing. And so like the whole internet was waiting for her flight to land. Yeah, and so I oh remember distinctly him being like, oh my God, her flight's going to land soon. Because people had figured out, you know, she is, of course. Where, like what flight she would have been on. She's going to South Africa. Like you can only go these. And, and then just, she was met at the airport. Yeah. By a photographer. Yeah. Some dude. Yeah. I, I mean, can't even. But I can't even. I can't imagine writing that. Right. Uh, you know. Right. Although, like, I have a book, Man Eater, or, mm-hmm. I mean, it's balls to the wall. Right. Like, I write about all different types of, can I say the F word? I I've write said about, it like five times. Okay, all different types of fucks. <laughs> I write about a woman who's basically a slut, you know. And, right. But she's proud. Right. Like, she's like, yeah, I fucked right. all the groomsmen before right. I got married to this guy. Right. You know. Right. But could I do that? Now, if you take one line and you put it, out there, you know, right. That's, that's the other thing. Twitter is an art. Like it is a, it's a, it, people who are good at Twitter. Yeah. They get how those used to be 140 characters. Now I think it's 280, but I they try get, to keep it to 10. <laughs> I try to keep it very, I do a lot of retweeting. Yes. I, cause I think, you know, I retweet funny things mostly. Yeah, I, don't I think get I retweet any... smart things mostly yeah. and funny things like clever things, witty things. Yes. But that's the thing. Like, People who are really good at Twitter, they spend time crafting their tweets. They're not just like off the cuff, you know? And I think that people get a false sense of like, oh, I can do this too. I can be funny. I can be smart. And it's like maybe um, leave the AIDS jokes to just your text messages with your friends, you know? Like some, not everything is a tweet and not everything has to be put out there. I'm amazed that we haven't learned that. I am amazed that people have not learned that yet. Especially high profile people. I understand. Because like the thing about hers that I think is particularly gross and terrible and I would just be a nightmare is that she really was like a nobody. And just someone. 70 followers. Yeah. That's really different than, than, you know, what Kevin Hart said about like gay children, right? Like that's. Oh my God, that he would beat. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's very different. Playhouse and beat. Exactly. Like that's like a really, you know, like that's someone who has a microphone and a space to be saying those things. Whereas with her, it's like, how did we find this? Why did we find this? And why do we care that this woman has made a racist joke? But with Kevin Hart, 
didn't he apologize for it? Wasn't it a long time ago? I don't know yeah. all the facts. So he had apologized for it yes. and then it got brought back up because he was the Oscar because host. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he refused to apologize again because he yeah. said, I've already apologized. Yeah. Which I think if you're really sorry, you just say sorry again. Right? Like if you mess up and you probably I think that though, look, he's a very wealthy guy. Right. He can do whatever the fuck he, he wants can. to do. And except so, for host the Oscars. Except for host the Oscars. <laughs> so he probably that's a pride thing. Sure. Which I I I get. I don't know. I don't I doubt I would do I'd be like, yeah, I apologize, I apologize. I wouldn't write it in the first place. Right. That's <laughs> but right. But I'm not him. But I also think I think it's interesting. I think personally, you just apologize again. I think we all have. But what about apologies? Are apologies accepted or are they, does that mean then that you're guilty and then everybody, everybody, then they're, then you're graded on the apology? Well, yes and no. I mean, he definitely said, in this case, he definitely said those things. Like yes. we know that he said those I things. I don't know what his apology was at the time. I don't remember. I don't know what his first apology was. I know yeah. his non-apology. Um, but I think that I do think if you say I'm sorry, if you're up hurt by what I said, oh my god, that's a I bad apology. That. That's <laughs> terrible. Oh my god, you know, and no, like that's not even good in right, interpersonal in relationships, life. right? And like in the Jonah no. Lair case, he said, you that's know, actually a narcissist. Uh, exactly. I'm sorry if you're hurt. Then I'm just sorry don't, if don't, you're offended. Right. Then don't apologize because you're not sorry. But in the Jonah thing in the book, he blamed. You know, he turned his apology into a way of talking about other things. And I think that's not a great apology either. See, that's part of him, who he is. If you look right. at his, this is a special, you know, he, he right. was in a vaunted position from right. all of his life. I think right. he was special Jonah, right. you know, he was built up and maybe it's, maybe it's narcissism. Maybe it's right. that. Right. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you not be when you're, you're putting out these books and, you know, people love you and you're a road scholar and this and that. And I don't want to take anything away from him, but I think it's a sign of, it's a block. You know, I almost, I don't want to say, I don't blame him for that, but I can, I can see where that's coming sure. from. He's, he's incapable. Right. Of, because he's also kind of pissed. Right. He's caught. Well, and that's why I feel you know? like people pile on. Cause it's like, yeah. how are you not seeing how are you unable to right. – because I think that when people do do public apologies, if they're good apologies, I do think most of the time right. they bounce back. I also think – and this I think is, so. I'm not sure. I'm not I think sure. So. I mean I'm sure it takes a toll on them personally and emotionally, but I think professionally, which is often – because most of these cases of quote-unquote cancel culture are usually – big name people, people, like you said, who have something to lose. Yeah. It's not very often. I feel like that it's, that it's like Justine Sacco or whatever. Right. But I do, I think one of the things about cancel culture that drives me crazy is the way that we get upset with cancel culture without actually looking if someone's been canceled. Like Kevin Hart was canceled. And the only thing right. that was canceled for him was he didn't get to host the Oscars, but he's making Jumanji 17 and he's got a TV yeah. show and he's got that, like he didn't actually get canceled. We all still allow him to oh, be in the space. You know, Yashar on, on Twitter. Oh yeah. Yashar Ali. Yeah. Yeah. I really like it. Me um, too. Oh. He asked the question, has anyone famous actually been canceled. canceled. I think Harvey Weinstein would probably be one this of the is, first or few. But, you know, that's 
but so well earned. Yeah. But, and also so late, like people have been talking about him for years and now he just now. Yeah. But like someone like Kevin Hart, I'm trying to, by the way, that's not over. No, he's coming to LA now. It's coming to LA, but also there's an appeal, right? There's somebody on the jury who wrote a book about this very thing. Oh, like, I think there's some, I, just sit, bu- sit, sit back, back and, and watch. watch. There's more. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Louis C.K., I guess. But he's back doing comedy but shows. he's back. And he's yelling and for- at people for being mad at him, surprising them in a comedy show. Do you remember that? He came, So after he was canceled, he then decided to go to like the comedy cellar somewhere in New York and do a show or like yes. do like a stand-up. But they did not tell the audience that he would be there. And and so people people were upset upset. because they felt like they did not want to be supporting him. Mm -hmm. And I I understand that fully. Mm -hmm. And so they should get their money. And right. And I think that they were allowed to get their money and leave. But I Uh think just the idea that you would, you would spring someone like that on an audience who came for like a good night, you know? Right, right, right. Um, And so, and he, so he's back doing that and, pe- you know, it's, and he can use that for his comedy for bits. his comedy bits. This exactly. is the stuff. Exactly. This is the thing. That- and then Aziz Ansari was quote unquote canceled. Yes. And now he's got another thing. Aziz Ansari, I think is so separate from, I think, yes, I think what happened to him is really different. Wow. It's really different than Travesty. Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. And I think that it's, I think that like, in this culture, in America, I guess is what I can speak to, we have to do better about talking about consent. And I think that it's a spectrum. And I think Aziz Ansari is on one side of it. And I think Harvey Weinstein is on another Thank side you. of it. And yeah. that we can't combine those things, but yes. I don't necessarily think And that- I would say, consider the source. Sure. I mean- like really consider right. the source. The whole thing with him is bad. But I also feel like my guess is that that story is probably more true than not because haven't we all been in a situation like that? Yes, but uh, we haven't written about it like we're the sure. victim. Exactly. And no, I, I agree. I guess I'm allergic. I'm literally allergic to be seen as a victim. Sure. Like I grew up right with all that stuff with, you know, sexual harassment. Right. I'm mean, one of my bosses. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And, right. um, and I've also been very lucky, but I was also raised by a man right. who you know, you use every part of your body to uh, either physically fight if you have to or whatever. But I I came at it with a different kind of attitude. Um, so I don't, and I don't want us all to always be, I, I just have this thing about not being a victim and not, not being seen as a victim, even sure. when I've been victimized. Right. I, yeah, I don't that's know an interesting. That, but that's my background. That's a you thing. That's a that's a me thing, right? But I think if more people were like that, like oh, wait, like instead of saying we're strong, we're strong, we're strong, but then yeah, are you? Yeah, I also think you know that the Ziz and Sorry thing is really tricky because I think that the person can, who I, had the I heard accusation that song, tricky, yeah, it's tricky, tricky, <laughs> tricky, 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 tricky. It's hard because. The person who came out against uh-huh. him, we don't really know who she is and we don't know about her. And, you know, I am always predisposed to believe the the woman or the victim or whoever in those situations. And I think it brought up a much more interesting conversation to me, which is how do we handle these situations that are everyday issues of consent as opposed to we all know what Harvey Weinstein did was wrong, right? Like there's no one who's like, this is easy and great and like 
you know, so, okay. I have a Harvey Weinstein story. Okay, go ahead. I was, um, being interviewed by a journalist. This was around start. It was either starter wife or stepmom peninsula hotel. I hate hotel bars anyway, but I am very professionally dressed, blah, blah, blah. And I'm walking towards the journalist and I don't want to say the peninsula at the time was full of, um, high class call girls, but it was, but anyway, (laughs) but this guy somehow sees me comes across the bar before I can get to my seat and says, Mr. Weinstein is waiting for you upstairs. And I said, Mr. Weinstein does not want me coming upstairs. Oh my God. (laughs) Because I would be like, are you fucking kidding me? Wow. So I, that, that's my little, but I didn't hear, I mean, I didn't hear all the stories. We, I just knew of him as not a good, good guy. Right. Yeah. That's That's interesting. I mean, but in terms of getting into the details, Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. The the Annabella Shiora story. Right. That one got me. Right. The New Yorker. Yeah. And I think like, my God, we can all agree that, that those types of events and what he was doing is deeply, deeply wrong and violating. And it's, it's criminal, right? Like we can agree on that. And I think it is now. Right. (laughs) Finally, someone is convicted of actually doing something wrong to women. It's unbelievable. I can't. Be- I actually can't believe it because it never happens. But on the other side, like the whole thing with Aziz Ansari, like I feel, I feel that that situation was not handled well, like on a journalistic from a journalistic standpoint at yeah. all. But I also feel like the contents of that story, if you just say person A and person B, of course that happened. There's nothing in that story that's like, of course, I mean, oh no, I it's not out. It's not out of the ordinary, right? And that's the conversation that I'm interested in. How are we teaching and how are we learning about consent? And you know, and like that's what's interesting about that kind of part of it is like there is a bigger conversation about our bodies and all of that stuff, right. and, and it's, speaking up and speaking too. up and speaking up and listening for things that aren't being said, and like the combination of both advocating for yourself but also being receptive to someone else who's uncomfortable. You know, we've all been on both sides of those situations where you think someone's saying yes to you, even oh if it's God. not sexual. We mind read, right? Right. We do that most of the time. So, are we teaching? you know, our boys to be sensitive to someone else's needs? And are we teaching yes, our yes. girls to be, you know, advocating for themselves and vice versa in situations yes, and yes. in same-sex situations? You know, like we're not doing a good job of that at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a conversation I wish we had around Aziz Ansari and less about is Aziz Ansari the same as Harvey Weinstein? Because no, he's not. And we're stupid forever. No, of course You know, not. and that's what ended up happening to him is he was part of a small thing that is super relatable and most likely probably that's probably what happened. Like who hasn't been in that situation? And he's, he was awkward. Right. I mean, it was just right. The whole thing, you know, so the whole thing was so crazy. Right. It was so bad. And it just, the timing of it coming out oh. in relationship to all oh. these other people who are, you know, Brian oh. Williams or not Brian Williams. Um, You're painted with the same brush. Right. Can you imagine? No, it, that's uh, that is unfortunate for him. That's really terrible for him. 
the story, not great for him either, but that's something we could have learned from and like no, talked about. He's he's not the best first date. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's all part of, but it is all part of the bigger conversation. His part is just really far away yes, from exactly. other people's parts. Um, but to answer the question, no, I don't think people are ever really canceled. Do you, can you think of someone who's really um, been canceled? I think canceled? people who, not people I know, but, uh, or I've heard of, but I think there are people who commit suicide, you know, like mm. he deals with that in his, mm. and, you know, I was raised by a man and, um, very strong man, ex-staff sergeant, that sort of gone over that, but, and he raised four daughters mm-hmm. and we're all 18 months apart. And, um, I have had very, very good luck mm. with the men in my life. Mm-hmm. And when I haven't, I remember being younger and like not being able to walk anywhere without the either somebody saying something or mm-hmm. the following mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I I would get really pissed off mm-hmm. about that, you know. So it's it's hard because I also um, there's clumsiness involved too yeah. when people aren't. Um, are in these situations, they're these intimate situations. But um, so, yeah, there there are people who committed suicide because they were on that whatever that Ashley Madison list, right? Sure. Can you imagine the shame? Sure. I, I feel I feel bad because to me, it's not what other people do with their lives in their marriages. What that's not my business. Right. I don't I I don't feel you should be shamed because of that. That's between you and your wife. Right. And, Right, right, you know, right. Maybe she even wants you right. on that list. Right. Maybe she's busy. <laughs> maybe she was happy that you, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Honey. <laughs> right. It's fine. But either way. But so, and then there, there was the um, preacher or something? Yeah, the Zumba teacher and the preacher. Yeah. Right. But so, again, in that case, you know, you're, people don't get, I guess what I'm saying is people don't get shamed or cancel cultured without having done something wrong. And then the question is, I mean, not the question, the book basically is like, we take it too far, but there is always that catalyst, that event. And I think that's a thing that I wish that John Ronson acknowledged slightly more. Oh, I see what you mean. You yeah. know, like he kind of would, would be like, Justine Sacco had this tweet and she's not racist. And then everyone destroyed her life. And it's like, well, let's well, look she, at the tweet again. She's not racist. And then he says his own little racist right, thing. Right. Exactly. So weird. So weird. Like nobody needed like, you to chime in on that. <laughs> Like we don't you, need to hear your joke. Yeah, we don't need your tweet that you didn't post. Like, we don't need it. I think he did. Oh, he did. He wrote, he was in an airport that um, he was taken, on, you know, from, by mm, TSA mm, in a room. Mm, mm, that's right. That's they what said, he said, you can't use your cell phones. And he said, well, I'm white, so right. I can use it. Right. How is that even? Right. Is that, what? Yeah. Well, what I mean, year is this? It's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? <laughs> Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? 
With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. One of the one of the stories that I was the most interested in in this book because I'd not heard of it and I felt like it captured a lot of the things that I wish that he talked about more was the one about Hank and Adria. Oh wow! Mm. So for those of you who haven't read the book, this guy Hank and his friend are at like a technology conference type thing and they're making jokes like kind of sexual innuendo jokes about like super insidery technology stuff stuff, stuff that we, we wouldn't understand who cares? a dongle yeah it's like i'll put my dongle and whatever yeah and the woman sitting in front of them adria she turns around she stands up she turns around she takes a picture of them and she basically like posts it and says On this Twitter. is what i'm dealing with being a woman in this space kind of thing and what was her job i don't know but she, i can't i can't remember out. i don't yeah. remember yeah um and she Posted on Twitter, mm-hmm. the guys end up getting fired from mm-hmm. their jobs. Mm-hmm. Hank then, so that's like the first part of the public shaming. Then Hank writes something or posts something saying, I was fired up for my job because of this. Mm-hmm. And then people start attacking Adria. Yes. Like the the like deep web kind of people, the four yes, the it's 4chan, 4chan. Which I've never even Oh, you'd never heard of 4chan? I mean, I've heard of oh. it, but I've never no, I've never been. It's a very scary place. Very I could scary. never go. I'm scared of yeah. my computer. I'm scared of even talking about it. Like I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> but so then they turn on her and they start, yes. you know, rape threats and death threats. The rape threats are really, and really people. Yeah. Well, that's part of being a woman on social media, which is why I'm like John Ronson. Twitter's a quote unquote safe space since when? But so that that particular one I thought was really interesting because the shaming kind of flipped. Mm. And and so Hank got a job. And it got very bad. It got really bad. Mm-hmm. It got really bad for her. And she, I think, from what I can tell, is the only person in this book who is a person of color. Yeah. And I don't think that he played in – I don't think he talked about that 
nearly as much because I do think that some of the sympathy around the shaming is because a lot of the times it ends up happening to really powerful people. And so we feel bad for them. And I'm curious, like, I'm curious to, like, it's so often men who get publicly shamed. And I think a lot of that, Amen. I think it has to do with the fact that the reason that public shaming is something that people enjoy is because you finally get to stand up to the man, right? Like you finally yeah, yeah. get to say what you said was wrong or what you did was wrong. And I've been silenced all this time and we finally get to you know we finally have an outlet to say kevin hart that was homophobic like don't say that that's bad right and normally we can't talk to celebrities normally we can't right. you know so not. i think that that's it's the great equalizer right which is why for me the stories that are the most the ones that i was the least sympathetic or the most sympathetic towards were the people who were just everyday people. Yes. I think public figures, it's slightly different because you do put yourself out there. Yes. To everyday people who did dumb shit. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so that one was probably the one that I think was the most interesting and nuanced. And I wish he'd kind of talked about the flipping of the shaming. Right. Because Hank went from being the bad guy to kind of being like the redemptive hero. Right. And Adria went from being the whistleblower to being the person who had done a bad thing. And I think they both probably both probably didn't need to do what they did. That's exactly right. The, <laughs> like they both were the wrong, the, equally not that big of a deal. And it became a huge, horrible deal. I think it's, I think it's really, you have to be really sure before you put someone on blast. Yeah. You gotta be really, I think it's interesting that people will take pictures of other people like standing in line mm -hmm. at the store because the person is chunky and they're wearing shorts and can you believe it like i think that's really the lowest thing that yeah ma people making fun of other people's looks right i agree and i i, I find it so even if they're public figures yeah i find it to be gross it's gross and it's not a like so what so what is she bothering you right and also like, i mean i think when people do those pictures don't put people's faces in it like well I think yeah. that's really yeah. Unless you're really trying to out somebody for doing something terrible, it's really irresponsible to put someone's face. If but you, you want to make a joke about a clear bra yes. strap or something, okay. Yes. You know, get a nice tight shot no, from like the yes. neck to Be the careful. back. But like, Be careful. Right. But also, um, I know with Adria, I, I feel like she, uh, he looked into her background a little bit. I mean, again, if you go to the origins of the story... Uh, I think her father was an alcoholic who beat her mom. I can't remember. It's that. all it's it's really mm. grim, right? It's really grim. Yeah, and she's got uh, obvious mental illness. She, I think she mentioned that, right? And so it's not like Jonah Lehrer, you know, right? But it's different. I'm always interested in where did where does it begin? What right. are the seeds of this? Right. And so she's she was somebody who felt she had no power. Right. And this is it's so enticing, isn't it? So seductive. Right. But what but the thing that's weird about it is that the guy was just some guy at the conference sitting behind her. You know? I don't know. Telling jokes I wouldn't understand in a million years. Yeah. Well, and then he, of course, at the end of that section, Hank says, So now at my job, I just keep a distance from the women. Yeah, Which I'm like, yeah. that is so, I hate when men say that. Like, yeah. I would never hire a female assistant because I wouldn't want to get accused of sexually harassing her. Well, maybe don't do things that people are going to think are sexual harassment. Like, it's not on the but woman employee. do you employee. know anyone who's been falsely accused? 
Because I do. in colleges. Yeah, I do. You know who mostly gets falsely accused? Men of color. I say the athletes. Athletes. Yep. No, I know that. And that is, that's going to be a travesty that's right. going to, that's going to show for the next, that that's something that's right. going to unroll right. the next decade. Well, I wish that was in the book. And that would have been really interesting. That's the thing. He doesn't, he. Or I, maybe that's a different book, right? Maybe it is, but I feel like there was a space to talk about the way that public shaming functions depending on who's being shamed. Like he kind of ah, almost pretended that's to. That's more, yes, that's you know? more detailed. And I just would have liked. This is the soft version yeah. of it, the kind of playful version of the I whole. think he was too scared to go there. I think he, I think he picked the things that he felt comfortable talking about. Yes. And I don't think he did the work to talk. Cause I think that that is, a huge part of public shaming is like what what's the difference between how we talk about Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein, right? Like, is there a difference? How do we talk about it? How does that you know, how are those things in relationship to each other? Is there a difference? Well like, I do think there like has Bill Cosby. Well, I think there is a difference. Bill Cosby to me, that's so disappointing. Yeah. What he turned out to be. Sure. I cannot believe, you know, I still can't wrap my head around the fact that Bill Cosby would have drug any. Right. But yeah, no, it's, yeah. I mean, that's nuts. That beautiful family he had. Right. 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 I mean, and so I feel like there's, there's interesting royalty. Yeah, of course. And there's so much interesting stuff to talk about or like how we, you know, I'm sure you remember the Joe Paterno thing with, (gasps) Oh my God, Sandusky. Yes. And like how we look at people who are quote unquote winners, like Joe, like Joe Paterno and how, like what kind of edit he gets versus, you know, like I wish that he had done some work in that in this book, because I think yeah. that it's part of public shaming. Like who are we okay to pile on and who are we not? And who's doing the piling on depending on who the person, you know, like, right, right. I don't know. I just would have like, I think I just wanted more because I think that it's not, he makes it pretty like, we're bad for being mean to people who do kind of bad things, but not really bad things. And we shouldn't be yelling at them. And I look at it and I'm like, well, I think it's a lot more nuanced than that. It always is, though. Yeah, it's always more nuanced. Of course. I mean, what do you think of the Bill Cosby versus Harvey Weinstein? I mean, Harvey Weinstein took a long time, longer time. A longer time. I mean, I think that... And he probably won't get as much time as Bill Cosby. We'll see. We'll see. I think also the difference between the two of them is who they are to us, the audience or the world. Harvey Weinstein was someone we never saw. A lot of people would never... We heard about it, but you'd never know. If you lined him up in a lineup, I'm sure many people wouldn't be able to pick him I'm telling you, he was scary and... In many ways, to men as well. Yeah. Not, not sexually to men, but just in the business. Right. Uh, you did not want to go up against Harvey Weinstein. Right, right. Whereas Bill Cosby is someone that people looked at and saw regularly. So I think there's a different relationship there. But right. also there's a relationship to this black guy drugging women. Like I think that there's a, you know, there's a history versus a casting couch, right? We have the sexy idea of what right, Harvey Weinstein right. maybe was doing, like that he was calling girls into his hotel room to give them a part and like that there's something sexy about that in the culture, you know? Well, it's it's quote unquote, it's been quote unquote acceptable. Right. We've turned we it into like, that yeah. that's part of the deal. Right. Like that's part of Hollywood is you had to sleep your way to the top yes. and like that it's like something good and that in actuality, it's something really fucking gross. Right. And 
Yeah. So I don't, and I don't know, I haven't really flushed out my thoughts about mm-hmm. the differences mm-hmm. and the different ways we treat them, but I do know that there are differences in how we look at, you know, false accusations when it comes to the athletes that we were talking about before when the athlete's a white imagine guy or a black guy. Yeah. But yes. Right. And like, and how we. But imagine sh- your kids, they're going to be growing up and they, right. you know. Right. Well, you, you said you're a sports fan, right? Yeah. I know. Do you know Huge. Antonio Brown? The, of course. And then I'm, do you remember the Riley Cooper thing? The um the he played girl, for no no he was a guy he played for the um Philadelphia Eagles and he got caught on tape saying the n word a bunch like at a concert calling someone the n word like a security guard and he got in trouble a little bit but people basically rallied around him and they were like you're like he, what an idiot right and then Jesus Michael Christ. Vick came out it's and so said, easy not to use so word. easy not to use it especially in public you <laughs> idiot but Michael Vick basically had to come out and say people change and like he had to like say I accept this guy for people right and it was like the burden was on Michael Vick to to absolve him whereas someone like Ooh. Antonio Brown who now there's allegations against him, but before there were, it yeah. was like, he's just a crazy person, but people were shaming the shit out of him. Whereas when oh, yeah. it was Riley Cooper, it was like, oh, he made a mistake. He didn't mean it. Like, it's like the way that we respond to these events, there's something more there that I just want like to talk about. So yeah, right, someone right. write to, that To book. excavate. Yeah. Um, Antonio Brown, I mean, a lot of people come, are coming down on him. I think we're seeing somebody just unravel and it, I'm very uncomfortable. The CTE part of it too, with the it. mental. I really am uncomfortable with um, seeing that whole whole thing so yeah. come apart. Yeah, I, I am too. And I, I really don't. I know don't. how much work that is. And yeah. Everything. And I don't, I mean, now again, there are accusations there against are him that are different that I, yes. that I don't want to, I'm not trying to lump that in with like the video right. of him saying crazy shit, but you know, there's just differences how we handle it. I will ask you this since you're so interested in like kind of like where this all starts. Where do you think the public's joy or excitement from canceling people or from shaming people comes from? Like, why do you think we like it so much? Um, the collective we. The collective we. I think it comes from lack of uh, per- either perceived or real lack of power mm. in our own lives. Interesting. Like if we felt good about ourselves and... Mm-hmm what we're doing day to day. Mm-hmm. If you feel pretty good about what's happening in your world, right. you don't ha- you're not going to pile on to something. You're it's right. It probably won't even mm. you might get a little agitated mm-hmm. or whatever. But you're not going to shit talk just to do it. I I think. Right, right. Um but you know, I might be the wrong person. I I'm a different, I, I've been on Twitter since like the beginning, but I'm also a different generation. And then there, because, you know, I read, I was reading Dear Abby and Ann Landers when I was five. Like mm. I am interested in how people got to where, where they are to this point. Right. So it's a lot, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I look yeah. at everything sort of like that. But anyway, um, yeah, it's a very, yeah, like, I think if we all felt kind of better, so I think it's I think there's so many things going on here as to why people, why somebody would feel good. Right. Um, it's also like a there is a serotonin surge to be part yeah. of the tribe. Right? Well, I was gonna say also I feel like some of it self righteousness and like uh, the definitely like the belonging being part of a tribe, but also like the entertainment of it. I mean, this is not yeah. new. It's new in the form of Twitter, but right. people used to, you know, attend lynchings. 
right? And take yeah. pictures and take Public souvenirs. Hangings, they still and do. People in the stocks and all that stuff, right? Like we've seen, we've seen. I, I just saw a video, which I didn't want to see on Twitter, a woman being stoned in Afghanistan. Right. And so what is that? Everybody's screaming. Cheering. And I mean, it's it has a long tradition here. It has a long tradition all over the world. Um, and, you know, people in the stocks and the guillotine and the whole right. thing. So there is something that we, the collective we, enjoy about watching someone else's demise, right? And so in this case, in Twitter culture, cancel culture, you know, thank God we're not stoning people for these crimes, right? Like, even though they're not necessarily crimes, but some of them are. Um, but there is like something human about it. And maybe it's just like the the relief or the release of it not being you. Yes, yes. And then again, like what you're saying, the power, like taking back power or exerting your power in certain situations. Anybody is capable of being a bully. I think that's what we, yes, we know. Right. And yes. Anybody. I mean, yeah, I agree. And I think it's really, I think it's something you have to actively work mm-hmm. against. Mm-hmm. Like you're just, just like all sorts of things. You're not, you're, no one is purely good or or purely evil. Right. Or, and no one is, I, I mean, not no one, but you know, like, I think we all have very to, few people, right. Are psychopaths. Right. And we have to work on ourselves to be accepting of people who are different than us. Yes, right. Yes. And I think even like as a black woman, I have to sometimes work on my own internalized racism. So if I'm working on it, Oh shit. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> other people too. Right. Like, so it's like, we can't, we well, can't just assume that, but <laughs> that it couldn't be you the next day, right? Like no. I couldn't do something that was racist, right? right like we right. can't assume that. Well, but it in absolutely. the moment when it's not you, it's like ah, yes, it's not me. I can just enjoy someone else fucking up for once. Well, that's funny you say that because I um, where I grew up, everybody was from somebody somewhere else, and uh, there were over ninety dialects spoken in my right. high school. Wow, you know. So, but I if I went to the valley to a party and there were. <laughs> It were, if there were too many white people, I get very nervous. <laughs> yeah, and my father used to tell me not to get off the bus in Beverly Hills because <laughs> I would be arrested. Not to right. let my car break down in Beverly Hills. Right, like there were all these rules. So, like, I know it's it's funny, and I yeah. still have that kind of discomfort. Yeah, if it's too one one thing, thing. homogenous. Yes. Yeah, totally. But it's more. That's um, I guess that was more of a class thing too. Mm, interesting. That's why I write these books. Right. Because <laughs> you're the observer. You're looking yeah, at yeah, the yeah. other people. Um, before we go, we always have to do this. What did you think of the cover and the title of this book? The book is just called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. There's no um, subtitle, which is rare. It's for an interesting choice for a title because I usually like um, titles that are short. Right. Uh, like shame. Yes. Right. And to the point uh, but I think it works for this. I think it's, it, it works for also to start off with. So, uh, mm-hmm. it, it kind of lightens it. Yeah. It kind of makes it a little fun, a little fun. Yeah. I agree. Yes. And then of course the image of the man who, you know, is from a time where people use stock, right. The people in stocks and, and that sort of thing, um, is interesting. I think it's a good, 
I think it's good. I really I mean, love it the cover. It worked. Yeah. Didn't it? Yeah. I love the cover. I think it's so good. I love the like spray paint kind of like can't like crossing right. out and I love the color and I think it, it's it, an art like, form. Yeah. It's really a beautiful book. I think, um, Riverhead is the publisher and they just always have the most beautiful covers. Oh, that. now I'm going to look for look, that. They have <gasps> the best covers. I swear Riverhead is like, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't ever start caring about that until I started this podcast. And then I start noticing. You see every Yeah. Cover. I see all the covers. I notice who publishes what in Riverhead to me, my personal yes. taste, they just never miss. Anything else we want to say about this before we get out of here? Um, try to stay away from, from piling on yeah. and, and try not to tweet anything that's really yeah try not to be racist and, and stupid and try and not to be an asshole yeah <laughs> basically yeah. that's it basically the whole thing is trying to be an asshole be an asshole in, in your own living room by yourself right <laughs> alone alone without anyone you know no kids no kids no family no spouse no, no friends dogs. no dogs just if no you're gonna fish. be be mean be mean to yourself and no then plants. do something nice for yourself <laughs> Then go eat chocolate. Um, Gigi, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. And we will see you guys in the stacks. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to Gigi for being our guest. In April, the Stacks Book Club will be discussing Trust Exercise by Susan Choi. Find everything we discussed today in the link in the show notes. For more from the Stacks, follow us on social media at the Stacks Pod on Instagram and at the Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. And check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. And make sure you're subscribed to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review. Our graphic designer is Robin McCright, and our theme music is from Tagirajis. This show is created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. <laughs>